Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the V-Auto Podcast. I'm Lance Helgeson with V-Auto, and today I'm joined by Patrick Jaynes, Director of Business Development for Stockwave. Patrick, good morning to you. Good morning, Lance. Glad to be here. Indeed. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've asked Patrick to join the uh, podcast today. He's been doing the virtual uh, speaker route, rounds, if you will, recently presented at the Dealer Software Solutions Client Summit for Cox Automotive and took part in NIADA's virtual convention. And his message has been focused on how dealers can find opportunities for cars, the right cars at the right money, in today's wholesale market. Um, and, and Patrick, as I've talked to dealers, you know, they're hungry for used car inventory. Um, perhaps they're not seeing as many trade-ins as they might just due to what's happening in new cars and has happened, and they're going to auction. And they're complaining, you know, about the high cost of auction inventory and whether they should buy it. And it makes any sense to buy it. So. Um, as we're sitting here midway through November, how does that square with what you're hearing and what you're seeing in the wholesale market? Yeah, Lance, when I did uh, a few of these presentations uh, over the past few months, I was speculating that we were going to see some relief in the wholesale prices. And I hope today I can kind of update that Mm -hmm. and shed some light because I think there is a, a little light at the end of the tunnel. But the one thing that I study really closely, I mean, you know, we have over 12,000 clients on uh, the autos provision inventory management software. So, you know, we can look at their numbers in aggregate. And, and I like to look at the year over year percentages in three different buckets. Okay. And that is sales, their current inventory, and what their acquisition rate is or, you know, and that's combining both trade-ins and okay. auction purchases. Okay. And, and when I look at that for October, uh, and this has changed dramatically, you can imagine, since, you know, the, the initial impact of the pandemic and kind of the wave we rode through the summer with great sales and recovery. Right now, sales of those dealers in aggregate are at about 96% of prior year. So mm -hmm. off a little bit uh, of last year trends. Inventory, coincidentally, at 96%. So they're keeping that inventory kind of in line with what they're sell selling, at least uh, from that view. But the acquisition piece, which is, again, trade-ins and auction purchases, is at 90% of prior year. Mm -hmm. And I think you hit it on the head earlier. You said that uh, there's a possibility that you know new vehicle uh, availability is affecting the trade-in availability, right? People yeah. just, you know, the cars aren't there, so they're not trading in cars. And I think that's playing into it. I also think there's been an apprehension to not jump into the wholesale market because of the prices we've been experiencing. So I think those combinations have kept uh, that acquisition level a little bit low. And so therefore we see, you know, this need for cars, but this hesitancy to jump in the thick of it. Let me uh, drill into a point you just made, kind of a pressure test question, Patrick. So on your point, you know, that sales are, you know, 96% of where they were last year, um, and inventory is at 96% of where it was last year. I am curious if if we peeled that onion just a little bit more, 
um, and maybe looked at things like the day's supply versus retail sales. Are we seeing a balance there? Um, I just and I'm asking the question because I'm not 100% sure if things might have been in, if things were out of balance last year, then it might be sort of a false read. So I want to pressure test that. Yeah, I looked at it for at least for this year where we are. You know, we kind of have that rule of thumb where we think dealers ought to be in terms of day supply, and it's always higher than what we at the auto like. Right. <laughs> our goal is to really get that day supply down, get those turns up. But if we look at you know the, the the dealer body in this case in aggregate, we had like a high of seventy three day supply back when the pandemic hit, right? right. And that's yep. just by virtue of we stopped selling cars, right? Yep. And and so we we got stuck with this really high day supply, uh, and then it dropped as low as thirty three days. Now. You know, if I'm a B Auto Performance Manager, I'm like, yeah, doing my job, right? I got these mm-hmm. guys really honed in. But it, when you think about all the different types of business models out there and the different types of dealers and that make up that 12,000 plus clients, you know, that's probably a really low number, that 33 days. We'd love to get everybody there, but all everybody's at a different True. <laughs> place in their performance in turn. It has now crept back up to about 53 days. Okay. So... I, Again, although I think, you know, we'd love to see lower numbers than that, I think that that's probably reasonable when you're looking at all walks of life of dealers. Mm-hmm. So I think that, you know, I don't think they're carrying too much inventory. And, and I will say this, we are seeing, when I looked at this 96% of inventory of last year, when I look at the last few weeks, it's trending down. So dealers are doing their traditional Hey, seasonality right. coming into play. I got to start taking inventory down, not up. So I think they're doing their job, and I and I think we're we're relative to last year. So if a dealer then feel, I guess so. Let's let's go to the the point of acquisition then, since it's at ninety percent as you mentioned, and and we are in this trend down moment. You know where dealers perhaps aren't stocking up. I, I would imagine that there's still instances where dealers need cars or perhaps think they need cars. And tell me a little bit about how you guide dealers to understand, yes, I truly need need cars or don't. Yeah, I, you know, I think it comes down to each individual dealer. And, and we look closely at, you know, by segment, by price band to make sure they're filling the holes and the opportunity. And, and I don't think anybody's complaining about the used car market (laughs) in totality in terms of volume. So it's back to that. Do I just sit on the sideline because I don't want to get any additional inventory and I just, you know, I refuse to pay those prices or do I get in there, you know, as strategically and as smart as possible and be able to get those cars? That's the key is can I get in there and get those cars and buy them right? for my market. And that's where we focus on data mm-hmm. and metrics that make those decisions. Because I'll just give you one um, thing that I, I tracked over the, the summer selling season, which was quite robust. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was reported that retail prices were up 8 to 9%. Yep. Now, I think back of my days of being a performance manager, wouldn't I have loved to call you know all my dealers uh, that were on Viado and say, hey, pal, great news. Go ahead and raise all your prices. 
Right. Because yeah. <laughs> they're actually going the other direction. I, I can't remember that ever happening, but potentially <laughs> that was the conversation mm-hmm. that should have happened, uh, you know, in this summer selling season. I mean, the average used vehicle was transacting at $19,800. It went up to twenty one six. you know, so we saw, again, because of shortage in new cars and this move to use, we saw a lot of demand. And we saw a lot of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So that part, you know, I think is still at play. And we're just going to have to figure out how to get in there thoughtfully and tactfully to make sure that, uh, you know, we don't get burnt. We don't get stuck with a bunch of inventory we paid too much money for. But there is a way to do that, I believe, through technology to be a lot smarter about that mission. Well, let, let's let's talk about that path, Patrick. So, what are the the key, say, data points um, that a dealer could use to find those opportunistic cars in this current market? Yeah, I, I believe that as much data as possible makes that decision better. It's like making a personal decision, right? The people that you know, or or even a, a management decision in a company they tend to network, right? They talk to as many people and get as many perspectives as possible before they, you know, just uh, uh, shoot from the hip and and make that decision. Mm -hmm. I would want to have all that data at my fingertips quickly because I realize uh, uh, the mission to buy cars at wholesale uh, is time-consuming and doing pre-work is no fun. It's more exciting to just stand in lane and scan bins and eat bad hot dogs, but we don't have that environment. Right. <laughs> so we we need to look at cars sight unseen and use technology to help us. And whether that's doing a full appraisal on a vehicle uh, in, in your inventory management system, or using you know uh, technology in our case and the, the product I represent is Stockwave, which allows me just to click a light bulb and get all the data points that I need, and I can get a first pass appraisal at that vehicle. So I'm going to look at market day supply. You know, I'm going to look at not only like-mind market day supply, but your make and model, right? Do I have, so if like-mind day supply is to the trim level, do I have the right trim within the vehicle that I'm, that I'm looking at? Some move faster than others. So I'm going to do a differentiation there to make sure that I'm on the right trim, which could make all the difference in that car selling faster. Yep. Uh, I'm going to look at, I might even back up a moment because I'm coming into seasonality and say, hey, market day supplies over a 45-day period. We ran into this in the pandemic Mm -hmm. where people were like, I can't look in the rearview mirror. I mean, we didn't sell anything for 30 days. Market day supply isn't even useful for me right now. Mm -hmm. We responded to that and gave them some trending information within the auto to give them some arrows up and some arrows down. I would be using that if I'm looking at a, a particular vehicle. I would drop that vehicle into my appraisal tool and just say, hey, is this thing slowing down, even over a 45-day period? Is it slowing down or is it starting to take off? I think taking it down to that detail, getting into the weeds, is actually a good thing mm-hmm. <laughs> when it comes to making an investment in an auction vehicle. And then we can use all the other uh, items like you know NADA, if I'm a subprime dealer, I mean, all those other data points, and and, uh, and finally, you know, MMR, because we do have cars that have been rolling through the auction. We have a good historical transaction volume that we didn't have months ago, but now we do. And putting all that together and saying, where am I at in my local market, using my local market data through V-Auto to say, can I make money on that car? 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious, Patrick, you know, I, I certainly see the value of knowing if a car's gaining steam or losing it in the market and knowing that, you know, the trim level is the right one. And, and so compared to the others in the mix that might be, you know, in the lanes, this one is, is probably worth, you know, another 800 bucks because of that specific trim and the things that go with it. Um, but I guess I, I am, so that that's the right car, um, but what about the right money? Um, because I still believe, as you noted earlier, that the while the auction values and wholesale values have cooled a little bit, it's still primo at primo levels. So what about the money-making point? How does a dealer appropriately assess that aspect of, of the purchase? So I think it really comes down to can I find cars? In some cases, we recommend you might cast a wider net, right? Mm. So if I have a lot of dealers that I talk to who have opened up their acquisition distance, if you will, mm. and they can do this through looking at cars you know, in totality on a system that's looking at all the wholesale vehicles, if they're willing to push themselves out to be able to find cars that are in the wrong market, they might have been at the wrong dealer at the wrong time. But when I look at my live market data in my local market, that car still is standing up. It's still doing well, and the retail prices are still good. But yet, I look at that car and they go, wow, people aren't bidding on that car like they're bidding in my local market, right? Mm. So can I do the math to say, is it worth the additional transportation if I can bring that car into my market and still be able to make a profit on it? I hear story after story of scenarios like that, again, because guys are, and gals are casting a wider net to be able to find cars in those other markets that normally they wouldn't buy from because they might just be polarized by two or three local auctions that they frequent. And it's just convenient, and I can get a porter to go get the car. I don't have to deal. We've got a, the guys that have gotten out of that um, habit mm -hmm. are the ones I see winning vehicles and bringing vehicles in that are actually profitable, even after they make the additional transportation investment. So that's another way to kind of study the market outside of your backyard. Okay. Now, you know, if I think of dealers, and I guess let's, let's call it franchise dealers predominantly, but I think independents are, are in the mix too, at, you know, what is specifically selling? And I and it seems to me that it's, you know, late model stuff up to three years old is really the, the hot commodity. Put another way, it's what everybody's looking at. Um, and I guess I would ask Patrick, if, if I'm a dealer and I'm saying, all right, everybody's running to those cars, they're paying up to get them, um, how can I find segments, spots in the market that might be opportunistic for me that others aren't seeing because they're not looking? Yeah, I think a lot of it is, you know, what we're able to do in, in our technology is set up safe searches. You know, though, the, once you get your stocking strategy together, you know the cars that you can do well with mm -hmm. and you've had historical success with it and or your market is begging for those cars. You know, our recommendation is to set up those safe searches so that you're constantly fishing for those cars, right? And you're seeing the fresh stuff come up uh, in, in inventory. Then before you jump in and just 
pull one off the list and, and, and pull the trigger, study how that car ends up going through the auction. So I, uh, our performance consultants uh, with Stockwave, I have this conversation with them all the time. And one thing they love to do, they, they feel like heroes with their clients, mm-hmm. is when they'll study a sale or a consigner that's running a bunch of cars or certain types of vehicles that they know their clients like to buy. And they can watch that sale live. And they say, interesting. You know, uh, there are nine out of the 10 cars, for example, uh, got bids and were purchased. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Sounds like we got a lot of demand and uh, not a lot of supply. Then they look at another one and it's like, oh, it's seven out of 10. That's kind of normal, six or seven out of 10. Yeah. But then they'll see something running and they'll go, uh-oh, only four of these cars sold out of 10 over there. That's when they can send that message to their clients and say, I see a market correction coming. Get ready because you can be the first one on that opportunity if you know where they are, where they're running, and go after them. And I see them moving around constantly doing this. Now, our you know, really savvy dealers uh, figure this out before even the performance can call, can call up, right? Mm-hmm. Because they've now been trained to look for those things and look for the places where those opportunities are. Those are the guys that are finding cars, and they're finding a six-pack of cars over here that might completely change their month because they bought them right. So, and I might be a little slow on the draw here, Patrick, but if 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 I'm looking at that instance where, you know, f- only four out of the 10 cars sold, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, well, there's probably a reason for that. And But I guess I'm, I think you're saying there might actually be an opportunity. And so help me understand why those cars may actually be an opportunity as opposed to something that's really not worth buying. So I kind of go back to the, the idea of, you know, demand and supply, right? Sure. If four out of 10 are selling, that seller has to make an adjustment. He's not going to be happy with, you know, six of them rolling back around to the lot and waiting to go next time around, I right? See. Okay. He's got to say, listen, my floor, the reason they didn't sell is that floor price was too high, right? And people said, no, thanks. Okay. So now all of a sudden, yes, he's got to make an adjustment to that floor. And when those things come back through or cars like it or a similar scenario comes through, they can say, hey, we're about to see a correction in the average pricing of those cars. That's where uh, that opportunity is. And you want to be there when he makes that adjustment. Because guess what? When they start selling for the right money, everybody's going to jump in. <laughs> you want to be the first one in line. <laughs> I f- okay, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure our yeah. listeners were probably way ahead of me on that. But but I it, it now well, makes... Well, not necessarily. Yeah, <laughs> not necessarily. I mean, these are things that, you know... Like I said, I learned this from our performance consultants because they're in the wholesale market, you know, in these tools, looking at massive amounts of cars and looking at trends every day. I don't even have the time to do that in my current role. I'm, yeah. I'm, you know, all over the place doing a lot of different things. But they're actually studying those cars going through the auction and they pick up on these things. And that's where the opportunity exists. It's interesting how, uh, in some cases, data can sort of help you look around the corner a little bit. 
Um, and, and speaking of looking around the corner, Patrick, um, I as a final question here for, for this episode, what's your sense of what things will look like for dealers um, in used cars uh, and the wholesale market as 2020 comes to a close and 2020 comes our way? So my one word response is volatility. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, I looked at some numbers and, you know, really um, after the peak in wholesale prices in August, they've dropped 8%. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we're starting to see uh, some of that. But, but let me say that another way. At the bottom during the, the uh, initial impact of the pandemic, you know, wholesale prices were down 25%, right? right. So, so they come up, they've come back up, and now they peaked in August, and now they've dropped. Overall, since then, they're up about 6%, okay, mm-hmm. if, we, if we looked at, you know, that. And it is expected that wholesale prices will end the year higher than that the, what they were at pre-COVID levels. Not a ton, but they're still going to be higher because of this demand that just has not subsided quite right. yet. Right, okay. So I think people have to understand, don't sit back and go, well, I'm going to wait till November and December, you know, and, and in this case, November is going to be gone. I'm going to wait till December and, you know, these prices are going to drop off the bottom and I'm going to buy everything I need for the spring market or tax time or, you know, whatever it is. Not seeing that happen to the level that you're going to be satisfied with, there will be some relief, but I don't think uh, it's going to happen uh, to the level everybody thinks. Then you add in the potential of another round of Fed stimulus. Right. (laughs) You add in a little bit of lockdown. You add in maybe some vaccine distribution. All those factors are going to impact really where wholesale prices go and where, you know, demand and, and retail prices go. So I, I think it's, you know, we got to work cut out for us, but at the end of the day, how do you overcome volatility? You know, it's like being in the stock market, right? You just got to study, you got to be a student of the market and you got to get in there and you got to evaluate where your opportunities are and find those onesies, twosies, foursies, fivesies, right? <laughs> in the market that you can buy and buy right for your market using mm-hmm. your local market data. Cause I still think it varies by market on where the bargains are. And I guess if I had to uh, find the silver lining or thread in what you just said, Patrick, it's that despite the volatility, one thing seems to be consistent and that is fairly robust retail demand through it all. Is that fair? Yeah, there, I'm not getting any sense. I mean, it's, starting to slow off to where, you know, where we were, uh, soften a little bit to where we were, like I said, back in August and, and the peak. But um, still, I think there's a lot of confidence in the used market, uh, even going into uh, the seasonal time. So that's the, you know, the, the good thing that we have to look for. And the fact that interest rates are still, you know, in check, there's a lot of good things to make sure we can be very profitable. And I might add, I heard of record profits in used car departments, you know, over the summer. So we may not see quite the margins that we saw with that big uptick, but there's certainly still a lot of money to be made and profit to be had, I think. 
That's a good way to end the year and start a new one for sure. Patrick, thank you for taking time to join today's podcast. My pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, thanks to all of you for joining us here for the V-Auto Podcast. Until next time, stay well. <laughs>